live from Death Valley and brought to you by Duluth Trading Company, makers of ballroom jeans. They let you crouch without singing soprano. Ballroom jeans. I'm Delmon. And I'm Alicious. And this is EQ2Talk. This is episode number 35, and we are recording on November 12th, 2011. And Allie, why don't at this point we still have theme music? You know, I've been crying all week because I saw they remade Footloose. Well, I'm not going to allow you to Kenny lag in this show any further. Did you see what I did there? Yeah, that was cute. All right, so let's move right on into emails then, shall we? Sure. And I think you are up first. Yes. We have an email here from Erica. She writes, Hi there. I've been listening to your show for the last few episodes, and I love it, especially hearing your different opinions about things in game that I either love or have bothered me and wasn't sure how to put my finger on it. I'm writing in response to your last podcast about guilds and spam recruiting. I come from the days of EQ1, where it was unheard of for guilds to spam recruit messages. It just did not happen with good guilds. In fact, it was harder to get into a guild than it was to find people to join since making a guild took quite a bit of cooperation from people, at least when I played it did. But things have changed considerably in EQ2. I was in a guild last year on AB, and it was awesome. The leadership was great, and it was just the perfect casual, no-pressure type guild I was looking for, where people could log in and hang out or not with their friends and play the style of game they chose. However, when I quit and several other people also quit to other games, the guild died down, and I believe there was a total of three people left running it. Well, I came back to EQ2 and was sad to see the guild only a fraction of what it was, but I have learned they were trying to rebuild, so my husband and I jumped back in with big plans to help out. Well, as we quickly learned, if you're a small guild, just putting your guild on the recruit page is not even close to being enough. The less people you have online, the farther down your guild will be on the list, and sometimes requires a few filters to find your guild. The busiest guilds are always on top, and they tend to get the most clicks when it's really the smaller guilds that need members. We also posted on the Antonia Bale forums, but did not receive any response from that either. So the only option for us at that point was to dutifully send out our recruit messages in the channels, not every 30 seconds, mind you. Even doing that, we only got maybe a response every second or third day, so even that way is not effective. We managed slowly to build up a guild again just through grouping and meeting people in-game that liked us and wanted to be gilded together. And the odd person would message us later saying they liked our recruit message and asked if they could try us out. Overall, we've had quality people join us because our recruit message was clear about who we were and what type of guild we are, So we attracted like-minded individuals who were maybe confused about what guild to join. Now we actually have enough active members that we are usually on the first page, no longer need to spam recruit messages, and we get people that actually click on us instead. Seems pretty backwards, and that's how it is. Small guilds need to actively recruit if they are serious about building up their force. And I don't believe the quality of players from those messages is any less either Because we ask them the same questions, and if they don't fit, they don't join. And if they don't fit in the guild after they have joined, they will usually leave anyways. So that's my two cents about guild recruiting. Our guild is an excellent place for casual players, and I don't believe that because we had to spam that our guild is bottom feeding or scraping the bottom of the barrel or anything like that. In fact, my opinion about recruiting has made a complete 180 since EQ1 days, and I believe the guilds that always continue rebuilding are the ones that have staying power in the long term. So many people quit this game or come back that there needs to be a constant turnover of members in successful guilds. Anywho, thanks for the great podcast. You guys are awesome. Signed, Erica. 
So, Del, um, I believe you're the one who was saying that it's not the way it used to be. Yeah, I agree with Erica's comments and where she's coming from. I had the same exact mindset, even as far back as EverQuest 1 and into the beginning of EverQuest 2. But I would say maybe in the past year, two years or so, I think I've changed that opinion to say I, I don't think it's wrong and I don't think it's an immediate red flag for at least myself to say if I see a guild uh, announcing that they're looking for members in level channel, that they are red flag. I would I would not put them on the no list immediately uh, because of that, uh, whereas in the past I might have. As she suggests, I don't think the guild tool really works today. I think it's a tool that once again came a little too late for it to be successful. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with uh, with everything that Erica is saying there. Yeah, I was actually not aware that the guild tool worked that way. I was not aware that smaller guilds appear at the bottom. Um, that's unfortunate. And um, so, you know, it makes perfect sense to to, you know, put your message out there in the channels. But I think she does make an excellent point about creating a message that's very clear about what you what you're looking for and who you are, what type of guild you are. You know, that type of message will probably be better off in the long run for the guild. So but I appreciate the email. So um do you have our next email, Del? I do. And this one comes from Sigter and Mary Kath. And they entitle their email Show 33. First, a very good show. It was a long time since I listened to it the last time. I really liked your discussion about heroics and progressions, and I think you hit on some important issues. As you explained, the changes to heroics from ROK and onwards are logical. If you are a cap or close to cap, but not if you are, in your own words, Johnny come lately. Me and my wife were in the early 70s in TSO, so we could never do the TSO instances as we did not have T2, did not know the scripts and so on. Huge letdown. We did not get gray shard runs explained to us until two weeks before they removed them. The solo quest for shards nearly killed us, but we got our T1. Anyway, basically the same things in SF. No groups as we were not at the cap, do not know the scripts, our guild is at cap, and yes, they do group, but rarely. Anyway, getting long-winded here. The difficulty of the heroic dungeons may be logical at cap, but it's not when you level up. We gave up at 83 as there is nothing in game that is fun or attainable for us. We are left with inane solo quests to cap and then can get some equipment and then get groups and have fun. What if we want to have fun now? Solo questing to cap on two characters is not fun. Far from it. There are no interesting things for us to do in game and since it's not fun to play, we play less and fall behind even further. I think in the desperate attempts not to lose players like me and my wife, SOE has actually made the game even less fun for us to play. It only makes sense if you actually like solo questing for hours. But what if you like to get a group, do a dungeon, get loot, and have fun? Fun is totally gone for casual players now. I like Atten's idea about allowing players to buy 9250 tune just to get where you can actually have fun and play with people. The changes in the game are made to help people like me, but since they do not dare to make the hardcore players angry, they make changes that are counterproductive. The current game is okay if you have a 90 tune and can power level any alts to 90, but if you actually want to play the game to 90 and have fun playing casually, EQ2 is not simply worth the subscription. I agree with Felden. Any game where you cannot get a six-person group to enter a dungeon and have a decent chance for success is simply doomed. I read about DOV now, and I see no reason to buy it. Apparently, some of the easier instances are doable, maybe. Don't know. Maybe you should ask around on different servers, where are the casual players? Signed, Sigter and Mary Kath. So, Ali, what do you think of what Sigter and Mary Kath have shared with us in this email? Well, I think it offers a good perspective on the casual player. I mean, if you have a game where the leveling aspect and getting there isn't fun, 
you know, you're asking people to wait 90 levels before they can, quote unquote, have fun. Solo questing is fun for some people. It's not for everybody. And it's really hard to get groups unless you're at the level cap. I mean, it's hard enough to get a group at the level cap. (laughs) Imagine at level 80 or level 70 or, you know, level 50. Maybe way down at the lower levels, you don't necessarily need a group. But that's why I sort of think there needs to be something more there for, say, a duo or a trio. It just seems like that aspect of the game is lacking. There's not enough meat there to keep people. I mean, if you've, if you've got people walking away, that's not a good thing. Yeah, you make a really interesting point there, and I wonder... Obviously, going back to day one of Request 2, everything was designed around a six-man group. Now I wonder today if a three-man group really makes sense. To get that perfect group of six is somewhat of a challenge at times. So I wonder, to his comment, do we need to have something in between the solo and the six-man? Do we need to have a a three-person content? I think so. I mean, I think it would... I've been saying for a long time, I think that there should be duo trio content. You've got a lot of couples who play together and maybe you can just pick up one more person and be able to jump into the game, play a little bit, do a little dungeon, and then, you know, get some stuff. Maybe it's not the greatest stuff in the world. And maybe, you know, I mean, you could easily take, well, I don't know if you could easily do it. I'm not a game coder, but, you know, maybe, maybe they could take a dungeon that exists for a six-man group and modify the mobs and the loot table so that a three-man can do it, be able to get the loot, but if you zone in with a six-man, it's basically over, it grays it out or something. You know how they do with a, with a raid? If you If you have more than six people, if you have two groups together, it grays it out and you get the no chest symbol. You know, in the past, we saw a lot of things designed around the X4, and they found this gap where X2s seemed to become real popular. We had Woe, and now we have a couple of more of them in DOV. I'm wondering if we need to kind of take that same approach in the heroics where we had sixes. Now we need to come a step half down from that and create that three-man thing. I don't see why not. I mean, especially, you know, when you're talking about uh, a game, it's been around for seven years. The level cap just keeps going up. Now, you know, they said we're not going to get a level cap increase for a while. Why not take the content that's there, adjust it slightly, adjust the loot table slightly, so maybe your gear is better than your solo mastercrafted or your quested or whatever, and find some incremental increase to give people a reason, actual loot instead of these shard runs, like Sigter is talking about, where you get something tangible at the end that you can tackle with two or three people. You know, where where the gear's not overpowered, where you're not going to end up having people running them constantly and, you know, flooding the market with manas or whatever from transmuting. There's got to be some kind of in-between answer, I would think. I think you're right. I think they do have to be careful if they were to go down this route when it comes to designing that they don't put so much loot in there that this becomes the cash cow for everybody to play that way and and succeed. But I think it's definitely a segment to the player base that there is nothing for, that duo trio. And I think they've had a lot of success when they scaled back the X4s to x two. so maybe now it's time to take the the six manners and create threes. I kind of like that as an approach. I don't know what the overhead costs that would be to design and loot loot building and all that sort of thing. But I I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think think if they tried it and measured how successful it was, then they could gauge whether or not it was something to do going forward, much like they did with WoW back in the day at the X2 level. Yeah, maybe just like a one-trial zone, see if if it's uh, taken advantage of. I don't know. It's an idea. Hmm. I like it. Our next email comes from none other than Felden of EQ2Wire. Felden writes in response to episode 34. Dell and Allie, EQ2 traders, 
The spells, recipes, quest levels, materials, etc. have changed so many times in EQ2 that I think Niami got tired of updating it. At this point, I think EQ2 Traders focuses on trade skill news and very detailed previews of upcoming events. Also, about 18 months ago, EQ2 Zam got a download of all the trade skill recipes, recipe books, and items that can be crafted. Of course, part of why detailed guides about crafting aren't really needed anymore is they got rid of pristine bonus, got rid of power loss during crafting, made it so straightforward to level, do writs, etc. The complexity now is in the number of recipe books, factions, and all the different things you can acquire. Sites like Everseek.com and EQ2Decorators.com have a lot of items listed. As far as adornments, all of the raid-dropped easy mode and hard mode red adornments, called War Runes, are in Death Dealer's adornment calculator. But you're right, they're not labeled as easy mode and hard mode. I poked around and found that LootDB has them separated out, so we can look into adding that info. We're always looking to improve things. Stats Info Post Velius. The sticky thread on the EQ2 forums about stats consolidation and mechanics changes is from Sentinel's Fate. Unfortunately, all of the useful announcements and details posted during Thelius Beta was not ported over to the public forums. EQ2Zam and I both ended up doing a paraphrase of what the devs said during Beta. And he gives us a link, which I think we can post along with the, the show notes. Spell hit versus combat hit. Questions about mechanics, not even class balance, but just how spells and combat arts work. Going unanswered is a huge problem with EQ2 right now. Basically, we have to ask other players and hope they're right. I think the example you mentioned comes down to different designers writing the descriptions for these items and these adornments. Another designer might have written on a successful spell attack or on a successful damage spell. My understanding is a spell hit is a spell, which appears in your spells tab, that successfully does spell damage to the mob. A combat hit is a combat art, which appears in your combat arts tab, that successfully does melee or range damage to the mob. If you have a heal that does damage to the mob, or you have a proc effect adornment equipped that does spell damage to the mob on a successful heal, then I believe that counts as a spell hit. But if you just did a straight heal, then an adornment that triggers on a spell hit wouldn't trigger. Also confusing things is if the effect you're talking about has a cannot be modified by direct means. EQ2 Wire Organization. You're right that we could be much better at organizing the guides and informational posts. I hope to build a list of all of the information posts in one place and put them in a menu or somewhere handy. As for being able to browse items and adornments without knowing the named or the dungeon or the raid, believe me, we're working on that, as you might have heard in Thursday's webcast about the EQ2 free-to-play changes. Fan sites. I couldn't agree with Delmon more about SOE just assuming that fan sites will always be around to cover their game, and dedicated players will always be around to do the number crunching and figure out the bugs and the tricks and provide all this information to players. And with the mechanics changing almost every year, and a lot of those number crunchers having left the game, there is a huge information hole. It would be a no-brainer for SOE to support fan sites with a free EQ2 subscription and maybe some giveaway material, like we've seen in the past. I don't think it's SOE's job to give us a list of items and tell us which is the best or explain why you should get one AA over another. But I do think it's their job to explain mechanics changes and give us a rudimentary idea of what each stat does and why we should want it. Trade skill reactions. It's inconceivable to me that Delmon has four max crafters and doesn't craft with three buttons per round. Every four seconds, you should be pressing three buttons, with the first one depending on whether you need to react to an event or not. If you're only pressing buttons when there's something to react to, it takes at least two to three times as long to craft each item. Looking forward to your next podcast. Signed, Morgan Felden, EQ2Wire Chief Monkey. Well, that's a meaty email. Do you want to take a stab at it, Del? Yes, yes. Let me first say about my trade skill reactives, and let me lump in here the Princess Bride as well. Apparently, my slacktastic ability 
has no bounds. <laughs> you said it, not me. So one thing I did want to comment that he talked about was the the confusion that we see in some of the descriptions. And I, and I do think he's he's dead on a little bit with why we see such varying verbiage in descriptions because it's probably many different designers have had their hands in there and have used different terms and all that. I think it can be a challenge for us as players who have been playing since the beginning or a long time uh, to, to deal with these changes as they occur over time as different the different designers have, have worked on spell descriptions. I think it would be a really nice thing if they did spend some time and try to normalize some of that or, as we talked about in the past, write some clear doc that explains it all for us. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I actually am looking forward to seeing some of these changes that Feldman's talking about on EQ2Wire. EQ2Wire is a fantastic resource, and I certainly leverage it quite often. And I'm always up there, and I'm always impressed about the number of articles and the depth that his articles go into. So uh, I'm sure any improvement will be just that. It will be an improvement. Okay, thanks, Feldon, for that email. So I think I have the next email here, and this email comes from our buddy Sprouts there over on the Freeport server. And Sprouts entitles his email, I buy, you buy, we all buy, so we don't go bye-bye. Hello. Listening to the latest podcast, you had a discussion about Freeport. It seemed that Dell had a problem with us being able to buy items. My question, what items can EQ2X buy that EQ2 Live can't? Just offhand, I can't think of anything that is different other than I don't get vet rewards, which means you are receiving things that I am not getting. That is all right, though, since you are making a committed purchase each month for that content. My purchases are not committed. I purchase what I need of the items you freely receive. One other thought is if Freeport is an area for people to test out the game and then possibly want to commit to a live server, why would you deny Freeport members from exporting their characters over to a live server? I've toyed with the idea of going to a live server, but I'm not going to start over from scratch to do it. Happy Knights of the Dead! Signed, Sprouts. So, Allie, what do you think of what Sprouts has to say in this very timely email? Yeah, um, his email actually was written and received before the big new change to EQ2, which is EQ2 went free to play. In case you've been living under a rock, <laughs> then you already know that. Um, one of the things he talks about is in reference to what what Dell had been complaining about before uh, with regard to items that EQ2X could purchase that Live could not. And I actually have a handy list of those items, courtesy of Felden, as a matter of fact. So exactly what items does Freeport have on the marketplace that Live does not? Uh, rare harvests flagged as heirloom. Mastercrafted armor of inferior quality to player-made mastercrafted armor. Power and health potions. A self-res scroll. And then wand of obliteration and rune of devastation, which I don't really know what those do. But that might be what Liko was talking about, the thing that instantly kills a mob. Yes. Okay. So that's what's different. Well, that's what was different. That's what was different. Correct. Sorry. But, yes, at the time of Sprouts' email, that is what was different. But, as you said, since Sprouts wrote this email, a lot has changed in the EverQuest 2, EverQuest 2 extended landscape. So let me give you my opinion on this. And I think a lot of people are expecting fist-pounding on desktop and me grabbing a pitchfork in one hand and a torch in the other and headed up the road to the SOE castle to attack the monster. But I'm not so sure if that is my take anymore. It may have been back in the day. I think I don't have any problems with free-to-play. I actually think free-to-play is a good thing. And while folks are picking themselves up off the floor, let me explain why I think that is. Because the free-to-play model comes traditionally, as we've seen in a lot of, a lot of games, with a, a tiered pricing structure. 
platinum, gold, silver, bronze, whatever you want to call it, right? There's these tiers, and you can pay for as much or as little as you want to play. And that means choice. And I think that is a good thing. I think giving people options is a really good thing. And we've read emails in the past from listeners who have talked about why the different pricing strategy works for them and their family. For certain members, they don't want to spend for a gold membership because they don't have the time to dedicate it. So they only pay for a silver level, for example. So I think I think having options is a really good thing. So the free-to-play model, I think, is fantastic. If you don't want to pay a dime for it and want to play the game, absolutely, you can do that. And I think that's a good thing. My issue with the whole thing, though, is what comes with free-to-play, and that is the marketplace, the cash shop, the real money transactions. That's what I kind of don't like. I have nothing wrong with the pricing model. It's what it comes with it, the baggage that it brings, and that is putting things for sale for real money in-game. That's what I don't like. Of the things that are for sale, like... For example, let's just take this, let's just clear the air here about what we're talking about exactly. Okay, I play Free Realms with my son. Let's say he wants a duck as a pet. So he buys a duck with whatever coin he wins in game, right? And then he finds there's a costume for the duck that he absolutely has to have. Let's say it's a Superman costume, superhero costume of some sort, right? He feels like he really wants that. And it costs real money to buy or station cash, which is essentially, you know, it's got no cash value, but it takes real money to buy it. So for all intents and purposes, it's real money. Do you have a problem with somebody who buys a costume for their pet in Free Realms with real money? No, I do not, because I would classify that costume, assuming that it's just that it's appearance-oriented, that it has no game advantage other than you look cool in it. I don't have any problem with that. Okay. If, it's, if it's a fluff purchase like that for appearance, you want to dye your armor, you want to have a big plume on your hat, go right ahead. What about potions, health and power? I do disagree with I, I don't care for purchasing items like that because that affects, to me, that affects gameplay. Okay, so I guess the question is, where do you draw the line? So that's where your line is. It affects gameplay. Yes, that is, that is the line for me, is when it begins to affect gameplay. However, if I can get those items for myself by making myself an alchemist, leveling up, creating the items that give you health and power regen or whatever... Do you think that it's okay then to be able to purchase those same items that can be made for free? With real money? No. If you want those items, then you should, like you suggest, make an alchemist or put them on the broker in-game and purchase them with in-game currency. Okay, so uh, several episodes back, I'm going to put something at you that you put out there. Okay. You had this whole idea. We talked a little bit about the difference between currencies. Yes. The currency of dollars and the currency of time. Mm -hmm. And you said something to the effect of you were sort of arguing for being able to spend money as opposed to spending time. Yes, I agree with that. So yes. what's what's the difference here? Where, where, why is it okay why is it not okay to spend money instead of time to get health and power potions in, in Delmon's world? As long as it's not in my backyard. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Well, sure it does. Sure it does. If you want to spend money, real money, RMT, real money transactions on items in game, that it should be done in a separate game environment, be it a different server, a different world, or whatever that is. But it, it can be done, and that's fine, as long as it's over there. So I didn't have with the – I never had a problem with the separate but equal. I guess I don't understand what difference it makes if the outcome is the same. The, the outcome is the same as fine as it doesn't affect my gameplay, because here's what I'm most afraid of, okay? okay. And it doesn't exist today. The scenario doesn't exist today. 
but I think I could make an argument that at some point it very well may come. Okay. That at some point something, and I don't know what that something is yet, will appear in the marketplace for real money that allows you to win the game. And win is a very generic term, okay? That there will be something out there that you will be able to purchase for real money that negates a portion of the game and allows you to win or be be more successful in-game. And I'm afraid that that item will come. Now, uh, they have said we they don't intend to do that, but their track record as a corporation has been they take baby steps forward. And eventually I think we will continue to take baby steps forward where that will be out there. And this is where the sticky point is, that that item will be in game that you need to win and other players will start saying, you need to have this item to join us in our group, in our raid, or to be part of our guild. You have to have whatever this widget is from the, from the marketplace in order to be with us to be successful. And that's where I think the problem is. It doesn't exist today, but I fear it's coming. I personally don't have that fear because I think, I think if anything, it'll go the other direction. I mean, you see it already, and I don't want to change the subject, but you see it already on the forums with people talking about subscribers. Well, the free people, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? They're people. They're players. In other words, I guess what I'm saying is you see it already with people seeming to take a stance that the players who aren't, quote, unquote, gold subscription model gold membership, whatever, will be somehow subpar. Well, no, I don't see that at all. I I think it's the other extreme. And I'm going to say it's the other side. To me, I I have no problem with the players, the people themselves. But what I'm saying is I think it will go the other way. I don't think it's going to be you have to have this item that you purchase from the marketplace. It'll go the other way before it goes that direction. Well, the first step will be, I think, the first step will be you're going to start to see, we talked a little earlier about guild guild advertising. Mm-hmm. The first step you're going to say is our guild is advertising for members. You have to be a gold subscriber mm-hmm. so that you have act, that you've purchased DOV and you have all well, yeah. other I things, Well, yeah. I mean, if right? you're not, you can't wear fabled gear anyway. Exactly. Exactly. So, so you're, going to start to, you're going to start to see that sort of stuff. You have to be a gold member because that way you can have masters or something. Right. I mean, you can't. Raid without masters. You can't raid without fabled gear. Period. Period. You can't. I'd like to see you try. <laughs> well, you you can, but let's be honest, you won't be successful. You can't. You can't. I mean, you could try, but you'll just be a pool of blood on the floor. Oh, sorry, there's no blood in EQ2. Well, anyway, bottom line here is what what you're talking about is not wanting to see things in the cash shop that affect gameplay in any way, shape, or form that you can buy, even if you can get that item in-game without paying for it. Exactly, because I believe it's the baby step approach. Okay. So it's it's a matter of principle. It's a matter of ethics, kind of. To some degree. If we want to talk like a hardcore example, today the fastest ground mount is only available in the cash shop. The fastest ones we can get in game are 130, I believe, and the fastest in the shop is 135. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And the argument, gee, Dell, it's only five percent. You know, what does that mean? I'm going to be one pixel ahead of you. Fair enough. But why stop at five percent? Why not make it ten percent then? Because we always say that SOE in this case is a corporation, and corporations are in the business of making money. So if they know that they can sell the 135 for five dollars per se mm-hmm. well then let's sell a 140 for ten dollars well let's say they don't do that at all let's say there are enough people like Dalman who complain that that's not acceptable what if they take a different uh, approach what if they start selling for fifty dollars or five thousand station cash you can buy a tune of your choosing that's level 90 with 250 aas I am actually pro the selling of Insta-90s. 
Okay, so, but see, where do you draw that line? There's somewhere in there, the line is somewhere for Delmon, and I want to know where it is. It's the purchasing of the items that will eventually become the you must have this item in order to group with me. Okay, so level buying a character that's level 90 and 250 is okay in Delmon's world. Absolutely, make it 300 AAs. But not a power potion that I can make for free on my alchemist. Correct. That cost 25 cents. Correct. Or that cost $2.50. Or that cost $10. Or that cost $50. Correct. Because here's a scenario I see happening down the road somewhere. And this is, these are the scenarios I'm afraid of. Is that in the past, we have seen them say, we're not going to do that. And then the business model changes a little bit. Okay, so they change it. And then the business model changes again. And they keep inching forward. I mean, back when LON launched, it was... Well, the only rewards through LON will be appearance and fluff, non-game-affecting items. Well, then that changed a little bit. Then we had the backpack that had more slots than anything else that somebody could make in-game. Okay, game caught up to it after the fact. Now the fastest mount is only available through through real money transactions. So my question is, what's next? We, we constantly have this creeping forward. Mm-hmm. And the blurring of the line of what affects gameplay. And we keep taking little baby steps forward, baby steps forward. To eventually, at some point, and this is the scenario that I do fear, you're on a raid some night. Mm-hmm. And you're real close to beating it. Mm-hmm. You're so close. You're, you're that 1% away. You just cannot get over that last hurdle. But, gee, if we all had purchased that widget out of the station cash, which maybe gives us all a little bit more health, a little bit more hit points, a little faster regen, whatever it might be. Just that little bit that'll help us get over the edge. And your raid leader says, okay, everybody just go over and spend the 99 cents and we're going to beat this mob and win it once and for all. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm afraid of. Okay, it's 99 cents. You're right. It's the, it's only 99 cents. It's, but it's the principle. The it's thing. the principle. It's mm-hmm. two-thirds of Coke. It's not that. You're right. It's small chump change. But if it's that one, then when is it going to turn into the $1.99 item? Or the in order to joust when that when that hundred and forty percent horse appears in there and that allows you to joust the encounter a little faster so you can survive that AE a little better. Mm-hmm. Well, he's only ten dollars. Well, okay. Are you going to kick me out if I don't have it? I don't know. Maybe. So that's what I'm afraid of is that we're going to inch this forward so that there are going to be these things, these widgets, whatever they might be, that are the you must have this to join our group. Mm-hmm. You must have so much critment. Well, I don't. So well, what if I run over and buy it at Station Cash? Okay, I see where you're, where you're getting at. So for you, it's not the the saying you must have this. It's the you must have this thing that costs real money. Yes. Okay, because they're already saying you must have this, and it's yes. critment. Yes, and, and I can crit earn chance. that. And I can earn that right. in game on my own. Absolutely. Right. With, with my hard work and effort. Right. Not my pocketbook. Okay. Well, I get that mentality, but I will, let me just to loosen it up a little bit, quote something from the webcast. Okay. That Smoke Jumper said, the webcast where they announced free to play. Mm-hmm. Well, it was after they announced free to play. One of the things he said is no business plan lasts. And if anybody in the past, I'm paraphrasing a little bit promised to stick to a particular business plan, those people are idiots. Yes. So, I mean, do you agree with that, that it's it's got to remain flexible? That's one quote that I want to quote. There is another quote, and I wrote this down on a little sticky note. At some point in the past, while we were recording, and I do not remember who said it, you might. It might have been Lico. It might have been you. I don't know. And here's the quote. Everything is palatable if the circumstances are bad enough. Well, that sounds very deep, so I'm going to say right off the bat, I didn't say it. <laughs> I think it might have been Lico, or it could have been Felden, for all I know. And I, and I apologize to whoever did say it. I, I didn't do my homework and go back and listen, but maybe there's audible evidence somewhere. But I think that really applies here. Everything is palatable if the circumstances are bad enough. Maybe the circumstances are bad enough, and maybe it needs to become palatable. Well, then I would say I'm going to have a very difficult time finding it palatable. I don't like string beans, 
But do I do I eat them? I don't know. I put them in my mouth, swallow them whole, and take a big swig of water after. Did that did that make them palatable? Don't know. They're not on my plate anymore, though. I ate them technically. This that so that's where I'm coming from. That, that's my issues with this. It's and I agree with his. The business models are changing. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Uh, the statement of over my dead body, will there be re- real money transaction? That was a statement made years ago, and things and opinions have changed over time. And they are taking out the what they call the powerful items today. Mm-hmm. But there was no guarantee made that they won't come back. Well, he said he said they might come back. They're coming back. They're coming back. Uh, but bet your bottom dollar, but, those will be back, and others will be back as well, or will appear as well. Okay, but Smoke Jumper has made a commitment, and he said it in his producer's letter. And you know, the question I guess comes down to: Do you believe him or do you not believe him? He says that they're going to do in-game polls to find out what the players are okay with. Do See, I... here's the thing: is is just because Delmon doesn't like something, that doesn't mean that everybody shares that opinion. Oh, okay. I, you I, I... you are a valid. You are a valid. Your opinion is valid, but it counts as one vote. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I'm not taking away the validity of your opinion whatsoever, but I do think. That if the majority of players want something that you don't want, I think that the majority has to win. Absolutely. I agree. There's a lot of things okay. in life that I don't like that I, that I do and deal with as well. And everybody does. I'm, I'm right. not unique in this. I, I, to my opinion, do, do I think these polls really matter? No, I don't. I think they're on a course already. And I do think they will put in these types of items over time, and it will be the baby steps. It will happen slowly over time. I just don't really see us getting to a point where there's going to be something that is huge. To me, power and health potions is nothing. If somebody wants to spend five bucks for a power potion or a health potion, whatever, I don't care. It doesn't make them a better player, and it doesn't make them any more able to survive than me if I can get those items for myself. If there are things that I can do. I mean, you know, there are a lot of things that are unbalanced. I don't know. I guess it doesn't bother me that much. And I get that it bothers you, but it's on, it's on a different level. For me, it's not an ethical issue so much as, you know, I don't want to have to spend the money to get something that isn't available for both. Like, like say it's a quest, which it was at one point. They had a quest that was in LON, mm-hmm. right? Yes. That you had to have the three items, the loot cards, to be able to put together to get the quest. Well, you know what? I'm still looking for that quest. It's it's what I spend my packs on every month. I open my packs. I pick the one that has the quest in it for a chance of getting those three cloaks to get that quest because it's one more quest. Okay. And you have to pay money to get cards or rely on the free ones, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like the idea of not being able to get at content at all without paying money. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the dividing line. It needs to be gettable in-game in some way, shape, or form without paying real money. Now, if the investment is enormous, you need a raid party to get at this. Okay, I'm okay with that. If it's really that big then okay, but then you better put a huge price tag on it, dollar-wise, for those people who are going to pay money. See what I'm saying? Yeah, well, let me ask you this case. That missing card that you still need to to kick off that quest. No, I have one of the cloaks. You okay. need all three cloaks okay, three. to get the quest to begin with. You're missing... so I have one of them, and there's two more. You're missing two. Yes. What if those two appeared in the marketplace? Would you purchase them? What difference does it make whether I would purchase them? I'm asking. It doesn't matter what I would do. What matters is they're not available for free. What if what if there was a poll that went up the other day? Uh-huh. Should we should we put these out there? But that's I guess where I'm coming from is you already can get them, but you have to spend a lot of money to get them. What if they're going to put a fixed price on them? What difference does it make? They're they're asking you your opinion right now in a poll. For example, I don't. I'm not happy with it because I can't get it in game. I want to be able to get it in game. I'm already paying for the game. 
I want to be able to get it in game. So it's you, a quest. It's content. It's a quest. So you object to things appearing in the marketplace. I object to content being in the marketplace that people can purchase with dollars that I cannot get to in game content. Okay. And, and maybe items too. I, I don't know where I feel about that. Exactly. I'm not sure where the line is for me yet. I haven't determined that. I know it's not power and health potions and it's not substandard mastercrafted gear. Okay. Quite frankly, because I mean, I can get better mastercrafted gear by crafting it. And I have even better by playing the game. So that, to me, no big deal. Rare harvest, eh, whatever. Well, I come back to my original point, is that I am fearful of the creep. Yeah. And it's a valid concern. We have seen creep. We've seen the dipping of the toe, right, with arrows. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I can see woodworkers going nuts, but... I guess if there's a price tag on it that's big enough to make it, you know, to 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 kind of reduce it so it doesn't throw off the balance of the entire game. Do you know what I'm saying? It seems like there has to be some in between of people who want to spend their time currency versus people who want to spend their money currency. There's got to be a balance there because otherwise you will end up with the circumstances being bad enough where people won't play and none of us want that. Right. And again, I, I just want to make sure I, I don't have any p- issue with people spending money. If they want to spend their money, that's up to them. Right. But what I don't want to hear from those people is G Dell, we want to spend our money and now we want you to spend it too. Right. And that's what I'm afraid of. And that's, and that's why you don't want it in your backyard. Exactly. Because if that option wasn't there, then I, I'd never be told that, right? Mm-hmm. Today, nobody can tell me in my in the game, you have to go and buy this so that you can raid, raid with us because we don't have that sort of thing available to us. For example, the Sword of a Thousand Truths. We don't have that sort of thing today. Right. Maybe somewhere down the road, now because all the servers are the same, they're all going to get the Sword of a Thousand Truths. And I don't want to hear from the five other people in my group, you got to go spend that 99 cents to get that so that we can finish this dungeon or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or it'll make it, it'll help us get that, that one tenth of 1% more DPS that we need to get over the hurdle. Mm-hmm. And that's well, what I'm see, afraid of. Yeah, I see where you're coming from and I understand it in theory. I just, I have a different feeling personally and that's my, just my personal feeling and I don't really know where my line is like i said i i know i have a line i just don't know where it is exactly and maybe it'll change you know maybe i'll soften like delmon in the sun like ice cream so let's talk about what we wish we knew okay and ellie what is something that you wish you knew when you were younger well actually i just found this out i learned a new thing in group the other night when we we sold something (laughs) so exciting it was very exciting to get a drop that nobody needed, and we could actually sell it. And, and then, then somebody sold the loot. Totally sold the loot. Oh, you're unbelievable! Oh, but it was awesome because we got to split the money. <laughs> man, I—I I mean, I'm like kind of against buying loot, but man, I like selling loot. <laughs> well, that's an interesting dichotomy. I, hate, I know. But I hate I don't buying care. loot, but man, I'll sell it like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> okay with other people buying loot i just don't want to for myself that's a personal choice because i like to challenge myself but not to say that anybody else doesn't but i'm digging a hole for myself okay so what i learned is how to split plat between group members i didn't know you could do this it's slash split and then you have to put in the amount like so you want to split a gold you could put one g i think or 220 p and then everybody gets a fair share of that. Yeah, everybody gets a fair share. It's split equally. You don't have to pull the calculator. It's really cool. Anything that removes math is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. So, Dell, do you have something you wish you knew? I do. It wasn't necessarily something I wish I knew, but I wish I could remember these sort of things. As I'm getting to be an older dwarf, it's getting harder and harder. I had some laptop issues the other day, so I had to pull out my uh, circa 1978 ColecoVision and get EQ2 running on that. And I was having some real problems seeing when it was getting dark, and this harkens back to my EQ1 days. And I knew there was an option to change 
the setting so I could see at night. And uh, Guildmate uh, was kind enough to remind me, and uh, it, it is called Overall Gamma, and if you're wondering on how to brighten your screen at night, you can click the EQ2 button, then go Options, then Advanced, then Color Correction, then Overall Gamma, and slide that thing all the way to the right so that you can see uh, just as well at night as you can during the day. Because I'll tell you, playing with InfraVision is not fun. After a while, it gives you a headache. And you've learned not to just sit around and wait for the game clock to turn over today? I have learned that it's not. <laughs> I have learned that I don't have to do that. You are correct. It's only taken, what, since 1999 to learn right. about this? But uh, yes. And, and hide behind a tree so something can't attack you from behind. <laughs> well, at least you can't get trained. Not anymore. Okay, so favorite, least favorite thing time? Sure. So, Ali, what is your least favorite thing for uh, this episode? Well, as you know, we had Knights of the Dead not too long ago. And one of the things they did this year was the McQuibble Farm series of quests over there in Antonica. They made that series repeatable, which is really awesome because there are new rewards and things like that um, from those quests. Well, I've already done them, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, And... There's this bug they found. If you've done them already, some people, depending on when you did them and how many times you've done them, you can't talk to the the initial quest giver uh, or he doesn't have a feather. And they they realized that it was a problem and they figured out a workaround. And the workaround was to delete the quests in your completed journal. Delete the quests so you can get the repeatable. However... I found that repeatable quests sometimes disappear from your journal anyway. Well, quest count is everything to Allie. So I'm going to just forego the new house items that you can get from those quests and not do the repeatable and not fix this bug in order to keep those quests in my journal. I don't want them deleted. Not to mention there were two. They were duplicated. So that's all of, what, eight quests or something they'd have to get rid of in order for me to get four back? Meh, I don't think so. I'll keep my bug journal, thanks. So that's my least favorite, that I had to choose between house items and quests. So, Del, what's your least favorite thing? Uh, my least favorite thing this week is the Dungeon Finder. And it's it's not specifically the Dungeon Finder, but rather what I see in the Dungeon Finder tool. I've been jazzed about this thing. I was super excited. I was pumped. I was I was on roids for this thing. Mm. And then they added a feature shortly thereafter its launch of seeing an approximate level of how many of each archetype are queued up waiting in Dungeon Finder. And I keep looking in there every time I go in there to queue up. And uh, at least on our server, it is always, always low. I have to be honest, I have never, ever seen anything but low for any of the four archetypes. And that's kind of a bummer for me because uh, that kind of indicates to me that maybe either there is A, a bug in their accounting software, or B, that a lot of people are not using it, and I fear it is the latter. Uh, So that's kind of my least favorite thing is that it's always low. I wish people would get in there and use this thing more. Yeah, that's really unfortunate. Um, I'm wondering if people aren't using it because they feel like they want the perfect group makeup. You know, they want to choose an illusionist specifically or they want to choose the specific type of healer that they want or whatever do you know what i'm saying absolutely i think there's a lot of things that are contributing to dungeon finder not being the super awesome sauce success that i thought and hope it can be mm-hmm. and i think one of the one of the heavy hitters is the one that you're referring to is there that uh dungeon finder is only so smart uh, right it does very simple math it doesn't take a lot of things into equation. I think there's a lot of things that could be done, but is the manpower and the coding and the skill there behind it? Don't know, don't think so. Uh, so that's, again, why I, I'm kind of, I wish Dungeon Finder would take off. And I don't know what we have to do to launch this thing off like a rocket. So, Ali, what is your uh, favorite thing for this episode? My favorite thing this week is something I just learned how to do. Sexing NPCs. <laughs> If you do percent G, it tells you whether this your target is male, female, or neuter. Did you know Irene the Broken is male? Uh, and no. King Tarmax is neuter. Uh, further, no. <laughs> uh, it's my most favorite thing to do. I, 
what run around sexing mobs i mean this is this is did you just say you have a a hotkey for this yes i have a macro i use it in raids all the time wow i thought just doing it was sad i think even making a hotkey for it is wow it's fun you'd be surprised at who's neuter her maybe uh okay yes all those giants wow they got no junk in their trunk <laughs> you know and it's funny don't they all wear like kind of giant skirts loin trying cloths. To, yeah trying to look up their look up their loincloths oh you they, they look very manly and bearded but hey there's nothing there Doll, what's your favorite thing? Well, it's certainly certainly not as great as sexing up some NPCs. My my most favorite is this past week I was able to finally uh, obtain the quest starter, the Heart of Wushi, uh, by killing Wushi in Emerald Halls. Certainly had killed him in the past, but never got the drop. And I promised the guys who gave me a hand with getting that done that I would say their names. So in no particular order, uh, Automatic, Camo, Jammer, and Sliver. Although I said it was in no particular order, that was al- actually alphabetical order. I want to give a big shout-out and way to go, and thank you to those four who helped me uh, get that quest starter and get that turned in. So, uh, Because, as you say earlier, uh, quest count is the most important thing. So I want to give them a big thank you and way to go for all their help in getting that done. Clearing Emerald Halls is not necessarily the funnest thing to do on a rainy Saturday afternoon, but we did it. Yay! Wishy is so cool looking, don't you think? Not my favorite looking dragon, but he's up there. He's up there. I, 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 I have a personal favorite. Who is it? Uh, Zygos over there in uh, Vishan's Peak. The Napper? The Napper, dude. Yeah, I think he looks mm-hmm. the coolest. He's, he's pretty, pretty darn cool. I like Trachinon. Trachinon to me looks like a child's toy. He's got a funny nose. I like him. All right. <laughs> and if you ever saw it. You know what? I should sex Trachinon. I want to find out what is dragon on. I'm going to guess. No, I'm not going to guess. Okay, let's move on to the alley angle, shall we? All right. So, Allie, uh obviously a lot going on in the world of EverQuest right now, so we have a little bit of a, a theme alley angle for you. And this week your question is, they say that nothing in life is free. But what are three free things in-game that you couldn't live without? This is a really tough one because there's so many things that I it's hard to live without. Um, but I think my number three is the sound effects in EQ2. Now, Del, I know you play with the sound off, but you really are missing a big part of the immersion experience of EQ2. One of my favorite sounds in the game is listening to my horse's hooves clip-clopping on the, on the whatever I'm running across. And it actually makes a different sound depending on what surface you're on. So if you're on sand, it sounds different than on hard dirt or whatever. Different mobs make different sounds. Different characters make different sounds. And, you know, I got to say there's nothing that compares to a gnome getting whacked by a mob. He actually sounds like he's honking. So sound effects is my number three. Okay. My second favorite free thing that I can't live without is my tune. I've grown attached to her over the last several years. The way she looks, the way she moves, the way she talks. She is part of me. I am her, and she is me. I can't live without my tune. Have you sexed yourself? (laughs) No, but I almost got a tattoo in real life to match my tune's tattoo. I know that sounds really cheesy and lame, but I chickened out at the last minute because I'm not, I'm not a needle fan. And I guess I'm kind of glad because eventually I will get old and wrinkly and saggy. <laughs> but your tune will never get old. And My tune never ages. It's awesome. Okay. And what is your number one thing in game that is free that you could not live without? The community. Not to sound too, too hokey, but... EQ2 really has a great sense of community, even outside of game. 
like when I was watching that webcast with Smoke Jumper, Domino, and Brass talking, and the, all these people in chat and names I recognize, I, I kind of feel like I'm part of a great big family. You're right. Community is a large part of why we both, I think, continue to play the game and why a lot of people uh, keep coming back. People enjoy having other people around. If not, we'd all be playing console games by ourselves. And I think the MMO world, and especially the EverQuest 2 world, is a very unique community. And it's going to get bigger now that we're going to have EQ2 and EQ2X all in one one large community working together to kill those dragons. Yeah, and you can't buy that. So just to wrap it up, your number three was? Sound effects. Your number two? My tune. And the number one thing that is free in-game that you absolutely, positively could not live without? Community. I think those are three great things. And I think if folks who are listening uh, can think of some other things that are free in-game that they couldn't live without, they should definitely drop us an email and share their thoughts with us about those. (sighs) So do we have anything else for this, the 35th episode of EQ2Talk? Oh, I think that pretty much covers it. First, we want to say thank you to everybody who took the time to download our podcast. We certainly do hope that you enjoyed it. We also want to give a big thank you to this week's corporate sponsor, the Duluth Trading Company, maker of the ballroom jeans, where you can crouch without the ouch. Be sure to check them out over at DuluthTrading.com, where you can get their no-bull guarantee on any of your purchases. Duluth Trading Company. So if you'd like to reach us, you can email us. So for me, that's Delmont at EQ2Talk.com. And I'm Allie at EQ2Talk.com. You can also catch us in-game. So for me, that's EQ2.Unrest.Delmon, D-E-L-L-M-O-N. And I'm EQ2.Unrest.Alicious, A-L-I-S-C-I-O-U-S. You can also join us at any time in our chat channel. So that would be EQ2.Unrest.EQ2Talk. Or check out our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash EQ2Talk. Or find us on Twitter, and we're EQ2Talk. Imagine that. Thanks a lot, everybody. Hope you enjoyed episode number 35, and we'll see you back here for number 36. And say good neuter, Allie. Good neuter, Allie. (laughs) (laughs) The more you snort, the more more now takes. Oh, crap. Have you sexed your dragon today? So do we have anything else for this? The 20... Wow. I know. We're going Going back back in time. Beat me, whip me, call me Irma. I like a little crotch in my (laughs) cheeks. Hold on, hold on. I gotta pause for a second. And yes, certainly Delmont appreciates a lot of extra crotch in his jeans. You're not laughing. I, you laughed first. I stopped trying. Okay, let me try that again. Wait, wait, wait. I need to unplug. And Ali, something you probably don't know is that Delmont really does appreciate a little extra <laughs> crotch in his jeans. I almost made it, then he started laughing. Sorry. I... All right, let me try that again. And as you know, Allie, Delmon really does need a little extra <laughs> <coughs> as you know, Allie, Delmon really does need a little extra crotch space. <laughs> let me keep doing it. If I keep saying it, I'll eventually get it out. But then it won't be funny anymore. No, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. All right, let me try it. And you know, Allie, Delmon really does need a little extra crotch in the jeans. <laughs> Your voice cracks at crotch every time. It's funny. All right, one more time. <sighs> and as you know, Allie, of all people, Delmon needs a little extra crotch in his jeans. One more time. No, I think that was okay. All right, let me try one. 
And Allie, as you know, Delmon really does need a little crotch in his jeans. <laughs> the light is a little extra. <laughs> And Allie, as you know, Delmont really does need a little extra crotch in his jeans. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> it only took 12 tries. <laughs> okay. So if you'd like to... <laughs> Maybe we'll just take that all out. No, no. It's good. It's good. It's good. All right. So if you'd like to reach us, you can email us. So from... <laughs> Start over again. I'm sorry. I kept thinking about a crutch. <laughs>